Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Cole Memo. I'm your host, Cole Preston. Each episode is available in audio and video trans, video and transcript formats. To access your preferred format, simply check the episode description you're, that you're currently listening to. You'll find a link that will direct you to my website where you can find the transcript. And you can discover the platforms offering this episode in audio or video. If you're having trouble locating the episode description on your chosen platform, take note of the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. There you can easily locate the corresponding episode and access the audio, video, and transcripts. Additionally, you might find any links that we reference during the show. We have at least 10 today, I think, allowing you to further explore the topics that were discussed. If you're not tuning in via Patreon, it's worth noting that you're hearing this episode after our patrons if you'd like to become a patron and support the show, visit thecolememo.com slash Patreon. It's a fantastic way to support the show. One of the most valuable ways to support the show is entirely free. Simply subscribe to or follow the show, share it with your friends, all of that stuff. Your engagement and support means the world to me. Today is December 30th, 2023, and I'm joined by my good friend Phil with a very relevant background folks if you're not watching the video version of the podcast please do phil how's it going good how are you doing pretty good pretty good i believe i believe this background is the subject of an ongoing lawsuit in illinois isn't it i think so i think so from what i hear yeah it's funny i was just working on making a video version of that report to release to the public um but uh Maybe we'll talk about that later. That story is actually that story. My own story actually made the cut for honorable mention for me. So um, it was it was one of my top five. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. So, folks, if you didn't get the uh, hint there, we have a top five. We're doing our top stories from 2023. It's something that Phil and I did last year. And I just got to think and I was like, that'd be really fun to do again this year. Um, it's crazy how quick this year went by. Honestly, looking through some of these stories, I, you know, I forget what we've been through, Phil. Gosh, we've been through the trenches, it feels like. So much, so much and so little. That's right. That's right. And I'd like to, if we can, I want to cue this up for you because I didn't tell you this. Uh, maybe come up with a prediction to close on. What you know? What do you think your prediction is for 2024? It could be anything. That's a very vague question. It could you know, but I just want to hear what you think we might be talking about next year around this time of year. Like, oh, can you imagine that that happened? Um, so maybe cue that up. But um, cracking open a drink, got myself a, a hemp beverage because it was the year of the hemp beverage. Let us not forget that. Um, maybe we'll have a little bit of a discussion later. I saw that it made it to your top five but where do you want to start phil do you have uh you want to start at i guess probably our fifth story and work our way up to our favorite maybe or something like that or how do you want to I do don't this? think i i don't think i really ordered them i didn't really either so i'm gonna i would be gunning from the hip on picking what my favorites are but you know where do you want to start and today let me uh well we could start with my personal favorite Sure. Uh, which is the um, story about the employees at the Department of Public Health making fun of medical patient applications. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's pull that up here. Can you remind folks that may have missed 
this story while I pull it up, like, what the hell happened here? They kept, like, in the like the cafeteria, the break room, whatever, at the Department of Public Health, I guess they, or the cannabis, I don't know how this is all separated, but it seemed like it would have been like a cannabis-specific area mm -hmm. that those employees are in. They kept some book that had, like, photos that they would, like, write demeaning things under. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. a like a mean girl's burn book, essentially. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So the the headline is five state public health workers kept yearbook that mocked photos of medical marijuana applicants, IG report says. So um the what is the IG? I don't even Inspector know. Inspector General. Thank you. <laughs> um Five state public health employees maintained a yearbook that included photos of applicants mocking with mocking options such as happy holidays, which is something we say all the fucking time. And uh, why the long face? Other things. Um, Dicks. Yeah, we're found in this. Uh, Phil, I don't want to say it for you. Why did this story stand out to you is just crazy. Cause it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> the state likes to act like they have like respect for medical patients and stuff like that. But I think this is just like, you know, I mean, the state doesn't give a shit about cannabis consumers in general, and they really don't care about medical patients. They don't care about the medical aspects of the program. You know, that's why it's never been expanded. And then just to have them sitting around making fun of people's pictures. It's just like, come on, guys. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that I just, that just sucks. <laughs> right. And I think I said this when when we first started talking about this, like when it first broke. But what people have to realize that really like puts the icing on the cake, at least for me on this, is is that it's the medical cannabis program and that these people, you know, certainly the program was opened up within the last few years so that more people can easily get a card. But the point that I'm trying to make is when you make comments like why the long face, well, maybe because this person has like a really serious condition, you know? Well, or it can be minors mm -hmm. like kids, kids can get medical cannabis cards. True. Um, people with cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but apparently uh, Miles Willingham, which was the person who apparently was uh, kind of like the ch the top dog at the uh, Illinois Department of Health, um, he said that the yearbook was created because people sent in, quote, ridiculous photos with their medical cannabis applications. So. Pretty crazy story there. Yeah. I am what I smoke was another comment. I think we ended up looking into the actual IG report to see the full, you know, breakdown. I remember that. Just, being... I, I feel like I used this example when we talked about it. Uh, like I worked at like a one hour photo place like 20 years ago in high school. And it was like a. Like, I think it was, I don't know if it was actually illegal or if they just gave you the impression, like you could be like charged something. If you were like to take, because you would look through people's pictures to quality check them when they came out of a printer. Mm -hmm. Like if there was something in there, like 
you know, something stupid or, you know, potentially someone naked or something, if you were to show that to anyone else, like, you know, you were going to get in like big trouble, you know, it was just like, you don't. Right. Like you're looking at this, that's it. <laughs> you put it in the envelope and out they go. So it's just crazy to me that people who work in like government who have a much more serious job than that can't take it seriously. Right. People that literally should probably be complying with like HIPAA standards or something. I don't know. You got to imagine that there's something more than an hour photo development store. Like it sounds like you have a stronger policy on that than. Well, and I think we looked at like we looked at too, like the people were just like, didn't they still work for the state? Like they weren't like permanently fired or anything. They were just like reprimanded. Yeah, I think I don't recall exactly, but I know that Miles was let go, but I don't remember anybody else. Oh, okay. Being let go. Yeah. Which is, you know, a bummer because I had actually queued up Miles to come up on the show. He said he was a big fan of the show. So maybe he's listening right now. <laughs> hey, um, he made the top top 10 stories. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, he did. He did. Well, uh, you want to see one of my favorite stories of this year? Because I think we just jokingly said it one time, Phil. Like we said one time we asked, why doesn't IDFPR just permanently authorize medical cannabis curbside pickup and and then they did that this month kind of crazy instead of just randomly doing it every like six months wasn't it yeah but you also have to wonder think about the push like i got involved in where we we're like trying to make a legislative like a bill and it's like <laughs> what the fuck were we doing if you could have done this the whole right. time well, I think isn't part of the like not wanting to do it that like medical licenses are only, you know, like there's no social equity medical licensees. So it's like if you're giving them curbside pickup, you know, it's like what's next? You're going to allow them to do full drive throughs. I mean, like, yeah, is that only for medical? Seems like it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's your point there is that the optics of it. <laughs> Because when we asked, we attended that uh, meeting, you and I, with the CROO and CBAI, uh, I was one of the people that asked, you know, this this was just codified permanently. What else can we just codify? And uh, Oh, like delivery. Yeah. Right. And it sounded like there were some things that could be codified and some things that can't. And the line was very unclear. Um but it really does just make you wonder, like, what can they just do? And and is there fear in doing something like that? A, optics, like you just said. Or B, are they worried that there's going to be, like, some lawsuit? Because somebody's like, well, you just came up with a, a rule that's not even in the law. You know what I mean? Or something like that. I don't know. It's just such an interesting thought for me. And the fact that we were just, like, stonily going, like, well, why don't they just make this permanent? And then they just fucking did it. It was like, okay, they can do that. Well, yeah, and yeah, it's like, so, because it's, I remember Aaron Johnson talking about it. It was like something about the language of how cannabis sales happen, like, like the, the reason why they can authorize the curbside thing is because like the sale is still happening in the building or something. Yeah, because you like go get the money, you bring the product out, but it's like they couldn't do that for delivery because the sale wouldn't technically be like happening in the building. 
Yeah, like on property. Something like that. I remember her explaining it like that. But the only note I have, and this is from a report I published, folks, is Aaron explained that the statute that allowed IDFPR to codify curbside, um, that, that the statute allowed them to do that, apparently. She said that they tried to change as much as they can via the rulemaking process, but there is a limited scope of what they can change. She said she doesn't see a pathway forward for home delivery via rule. She also seemed to indicate that she doesn't feel it is a good idea to try to accomplish this via rule, which is interesting to me. Like, that's the part where I wonder, like, it's not a good idea. Does that mean does that mean like lawsuits or like, what does that mean? Well, I think she was saying like. Like that would be like stepping on like the legislature's toes or something like that. Right. And that's that's what I wonder, which maybe this can take us to. I don't mean to just jump to my other favorite story. I'll let you go after this, but I feel like it just relates. This conversation right here makes me wonder what would the end result be of my next favorite story? Commission versus agency, because that's not going away. Um, And like if we get an agency or if we get a commission, can they just make things up off? Does that take that away from the legislature and like put that authority in their hands or? Yeah, I think that is the goal. Yeah. I just wonder about would, that. You would have that, like, you would give them that power, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the optimist in me wants to go crazy and be like, wouldn't that be the solution to all of our problems? Like, everything that they say, right? But it's like, for me, I, I feel like if a commission or an agency got set up, it would not, as we've seen with all other things, have a consumer focus. No, not unless <laughs> there was, like, a consumer on it. Right, and that's not going to happen. You would think not, no. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's my whole thing with commission versus agency. That actually, we got a little bit of light on this, a little bit more information that, that I wasn't aware of. Um, I I, inched, I mentioned it in my report. I did think it was notable to, see, to hear Aaron Johnson. Uh, oh, sorry. She brought up an interesting point that I was previously unaware of, namely that it's a violation of the law for agencies to exchange information because I've always been asking you and and my audience like, so this whole commission and agency idea, like they're acting like they don't know all everybody's emails. Like if you've got to work with all of these agencies, like I could create a spreadsheet with like a contact list of people you need to reach out for for certain things. But that just added a whole other layer of complexity to the subject for me. If it's illegal for agencies to share information, like, well, okay, maybe I guess there is like justification for putting this all under one roof, you know? Cause I'm just like, you can't call each other. Like, we have cell phones, we have email. Like, what do you Yeah, mean? that seems insane. There must yeah. be some reason for that, but I don't know what that would be. Yeah, I'll have to. I really feel like what she just mentioned, what I just mentioned that she mentioned is is the root of this push. You know, of course there's this debate between commission and agency, but but bottom line is it sounds like well it's also just how other things are regulated, right? Like there's a liquor commission, True. there's a gaming commission. Yeah. They're yeah. going to like make cannabis this big regulated thing, it should have its own commission. Right. But it's interesting to see that 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 does does not seem to be the push 
at least from the government and from the social equity candidates, they seem to be pushing for agency while maybe they've changed their stance, but I'm pretty sure CBAI was all gung-ho about commission. Well, wasn't it just about how much um, public access like you have to the meetings? Yeah. Yeah, I think the 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 commission would have more public, like more access from what I understand. I mean, if you look at states like Massachusetts, they fucking live stream their commissioner meetings. Right. Which would yeah. be lit. Could you imagine that? <laughs> which I think I think even though they're live streamed, they still do like crazy shit sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, you read about it for sure. And that that's another thought I just wanted to I wonder if the the hesitance to go towards commission is what you see in, in Massachusetts. I mean that's not all rainbows and butterflies over there. No, it's just a different way of organizing things, right? Like people would still be influencing the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's still plenty of drama. Like I think the head commissioner just got like ousted and I don't even know. I don't know. I'm not even gonna try to start learning all the the nuances to Massachusetts cannabis politics, but yeah, interesting stuff over there. So yeah, I just wanted to I felt like those pretty well related to each other. You know, it's like the permanent curbside. It's like, okay, what does the body have authority to do? Well, apparently not much. So we're having this debate about commission and agency that have been that has been punted. I'm sure it's gonna come back um with what we've heard from not only the CROO themselves, but many other applicants, you know, licensees yeah, aren't they- and such. They get back really busy in like March and April, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last few months, right? That's what we learned. Well, they like it starts in February. Right. Then they like do all their work in like, or maybe it's April and May, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyways, what's your, uh, what's your next story, Phil? Well, I'll combine two of them. And say Minnesota and Ohio going wreck. Oh yeah, and and having uh, more liberal laws than we do. Tell tell us what you mean by that. I don't specifically remember. Yeah, because <laughs> I haven't looked it up recently, but just that their possession limits are higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe they both have home growth for all. Right, which. Those would be the two main things I care about. But I also think, well, I don't know if they've hammered out licensing in Ohio, but I know that the licenses in Minnesota are not capped. Mm. I don't exactly know what the structure is, but. Yeah. Yeah. The Ohio one was interesting because you predicted it when I texted you and it may have been based off something you read. I don't know. But uh, because I it was totally I was not expecting it. And then it became a real thing. Um when I texted you about it, I was like, whoa, look at Ohio's awesome cannabis legislation. And you were like, yeah, but sounds like homegrown could be challenged. And those motherfuckers tried to take that away out of Ohio. They talked about it. I don't think they ever could have gotten it because you have to. It's like Michigan, I think, where if you pass a ballot initiative, you mm. need like a super majority. So you mm. have to get like two thirds to go Just along the, with that. The fact that it, it was even talked about, I mean. This isn't the first time that Ohio has had a debate about home grow. You remember that old like Joe Rogan clip I made where they were this had to have been from years ago and they were talking about if it's legal, then you should be able to grow it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, was that about their first ballot yeah. initiative? Like 
Mm -hmm. That was a while ago. Right. But it's crazy to think that this has been. <laughs> I, just, I just remember that because uh, like they uh, like people didn't come out to support it because it was like a monopolistic. Right. Like Illinois style, like cartel licensing. Um, yeah. But I just remember one of the big investors in one of those weed companies was one of the brothers, one of the Lachey brothers from 98 Degrees. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Newlyweds with Jessica Simpson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know why that just sticks out in my memory. That's funny. Um, Another honorable mention story for me. Well, really quick. To your point, yeah, I think that was the main point of the video that I saw about Ohio was that, yeah, it was going to only license like a few people, like literally creating a monopoly, a way worse than I say way worse than Illinois, but it's just on bad on par, honestly. I mean, they have Michigan right on their border. Mm -hmm. So. And really quick, what was that you told me the other day? I almost thought about tweeting it because I do think it's a big deal. What is there going to be a dispensary in Michigan that's only like an hour away from the city limits of Chicago or something. <clears throat> I mean, from like, yeah, there's a, cause new Buffalo is right on the border. Like mm -hmm. Michigan city is on the Indiana side. Yeah. You know, uh, as you wouldn't think from the name, but right. New Buffalo is like the first city on the Michigan side, but they haven't allowed dispensaries. Uh, I think they were like, they opted out at the beginning, but they changed that a little while ago. And so now there's, there's one that opened a while ago, um, but there's a couple larger operators, like one herb. And then I think jars is opening one there. But if you look from like, from my house down, like way on the South side of the city, new Buffalo is an hour from my house. Like, there aren't that many dispensaries within an hour of my house in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, especially not with those fucking prices. I mean, there's more dispensaries in this area than there are like downstate, I should sure. say. But like, you know, if I if I was out of weed today and I had to go somewhere to get weed, there's now an option that's, you know, potentially 55 minutes from my house. Yeah. And Damn. it's going to be a third the price of the stuff, you know, like. They still have like a border tax kind of over in Michigan, but it's still better than here. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. That is so crazy. Yeah. Michigan, I'll tell you, they are just continuously showing us how it's done, even though that is exactly the opposite that our governor government would tell you, um, including our governor. He's actually, I think, used Michigan as an example. Maybe I'm wrong. With that. Um, uh, I thought it, I thought it was interesting because you'll always see on like the Illinois trees Reddit, you'll see people say like, who's open on Christmas day. And people will be like, no one's open, go home. And I don't know if people, I, I think potentially a lot of them are closed here. Um, yeah. But there were a number of dispensaries that were like promoting themselves as open on Christmas day in Michigan. Yeah, I, they, I just think the competition is so fierce. Like you can't, you know, they're not going to leave out Christmas day entirely. Right. Right. Did in, Please tell the story. You got a delivery on Christmas Day and not from Santa I, Claus. Yeah, I, I was sitting there and I ordered uh, like 15 of these distillate darts. And with delivery, it came out to like $130 Folks. for 15 grams of distillate. 
folks, that would have cost like a thousand dollars just for the distillate. I don't even know what we're going to charge for delivery fees if that becomes a thing, but you can bet you're going to get milked for that too. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how they would do that here. I mean, if it was third parties, they'd probably charge, right? But yeah. um, over there, it's usually if you order over a certain amount, it's free delivery. Wow. And this is not like a, this is like a small town, like 15 minutes outside Flint. This is not like a built up, this is not like Detroit or something. <laughs> That's just crazy. I want to get back to what our government has well, said. Well, it's, it's crazy that in a city like Chicago, you can't do that. Right. You can't get weed delivered in Chicago. Right. But you can get. In like alcohol. rural, middle of nowhere, Michigan, you can get weed delivered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And I don't know. I guess I do want to just open up this bottle just briefly. Um, I think it's crazy that uh, states like Michigan are constantly pointed to as being a failure. In fact, um our, our cannabis regulation oversight officer, Aaron Johnson, at the CBAI meeting, um, referenced Michigan's <laughs> cannabis market during her, uh, her fireside chat, and she described it as a struggling market. Uh, she talked about hearing discussions at the cannabis regulators conference she went to about cannabis operators facing receivership and enduring significant price compression due to their regulatory framework. And Aaron mentioned that her office works every day to ensure that these types of things do not occur in Illinois. I love that because that's almost an exact quote. I didn't write it as a quote because I I jotted it down or whatever, but she literally said, our office comes in every day to ensure that these types of things do not happen. And, by these types of things, I heard her, I just heard her reference receivership and price compression. <laughs> In other words, we have to prevent people from going out of business. We have to prevent prices from falling. I don't know. It'll be interesting because you would think even like regardless of their intentions, like someone's going to go out of business in Illinois eventually. Yeah. I like mean, a lot, like these new dispensaries, like that are like kind of opening up near each other. They're all selling the same stuff. Like right. the price compression's hitting them the most. It's just, I don't know, it's interesting. Or you mm-hmm. see like a new craft grower come out charging like 70 bucks an eighth before tax. Like, is that, do they have to charge that if they're not able to sell all those at that price? Are they like screwed? Right. <laughs> like they're it's a big investment. Yeah. I just think it's crazy to hear. It's it's not only her that has talked about price compression. J.B. Pritzker did in his speech at Ivy Hall saying that if you issue so many licenses that people constantly talk about in the media, that if you, if we just issued more licenses, things would be better. And he said, well, but if you do that, the price would fall to where people can't make money and then people get edged out. And so applicants like the folks that started Ivy Hall would never be able to start. It's just like are we really – it's just crazy because – could you? I was thinking about this last night, Phil, and then we'll we'll move on. Could you imagine going to a store and being like, "This Coca Cola is too cheap. How are they ever going to make money off this? Or the gas? It's too cheap." Like I'm as a consumer, I don't I just, really. I just give wonder. 
I just wonder who they're talking about in Michigan who's like really struggling. Like, I think if you're really struggling over there, you're just not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the the shops I go to that, you know, I try to go to places that are like vertically integrated, single location dispensaries usually that have their grows in the same place. I mean, what better way to cut all your costs and be able to sell great ounces of weed for, you know, slightly under a hundred bucks. Yeah. And like you Seems say, like a you... sustainable business model for them. They're busy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know about you, but when you talk to them, as you seem to indicate, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when I talk to them, I get the impression they acknowledge, no, it's not easy to function in this business, but they'd choose this regulatory framework over ours any day of the week because I've explained to them they would not be open. So would you rather not be open or have to compete? Like that's your choices, you know? And they're like, hey, I'd like to compete. I want to be in the business. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I've heard. And if, yeah, like you just have to grow good weed and sell it for a competitive price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's it's interesting how, again, it doesn't seem like high prices are necessarily like a, a flaw. They're not seen as a flaw in Illinois cannabis industry, at least from the operator's perspective. It's seen as a feature like, hey, we can charge higher prices here. You know? Well, yeah, and it's on consumers, too. People in the state are just at least the people who use the regulated market in the state are just willing to pay just crazy prices for weed. Yeah. So what's what's your next story? I, I can't remember who went last. I think I went last. Okay. But I should probably be keeping better track of this. <laughs> I can uh I should too. I will I will go next. Um I like this one because out of the the clamor or whatever, however you describe um the political sessions. I'll just use the description the Illinois News Joint used. After weeks of wrangling on which items to exclude, the cannabis omnibus could not be agreed upon and was not brought up for a vote today, essentially killing all included items. Three items from the omnibus, though, escaped into the state budget. The three cannabis items in the budget that should pass just after midnight and did pass, from what I understand, uh, the state comptroller shall direct the state treasurer to transfer the sum of $40,000 from the compassionate use of medical cannabis fund. 40 million, Cole. 40 million. 40 million. Thank you. 40 million, folks. Learn your numbers. Okay. So, uh, 40 million <laughs> from the compassionate use of medical cannabis fund to the cannabis business development fund. Phil, if folks aren't understanding why I'm putting so much emphasis into reading this, why this is so crazy break it down if you can uh that was that's the money that all the medical cannabis patients have paid for their med cards but there was like a surplus because those patient fees were only meant to cover the cost of running the program which they like didn't know how much it was going to cost to run the program so that was just sitting there in an account and bob morgan for a long time had proposed or talked about um refunding that to like if you had bought anything from a dispensary in the last six months they were going to refund you but just divide up that total amount among all the active 
medical cannabis patients. Mm-hmm. But then instead, they decided to <laughs> steal that from the med patients and give it to uh, social equity startup dispensers. That med patients can't shop at because they're all wrecked. Right. Right. So, yeah, no, you just you just beautifully broke down. Exactly. Um, it's all very Illinois. <laughs> yes. Very Illinois. And I'm looking especially to... especially the part where the med patients are paying for dispensaries that they can't shop at. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking to see he might have taken it down. I was going to see if I could find the video. One of the first videos Bob ever actually made about this exact subject. He was on the floor and he was talking about uh, giving a refund. See if we can't find that just for giggles and grins. But it's something that he's talked about several times. Um, I did just find one post that he made about it. But let's see if I can actually find the video. Yeah, having trouble with the video, but we'll we'll just post this just to put some put something behind what you just said, and you can actually see a bill number I'm about to share for this proposal that he made, which didn't see the light of the day. And who knows? I mean, this money has been transferred now, so will it ever see the light of the day? I don't I don't know. Um, so let me make this more full screen for you here. Oh, I guess I can't. That's all right. Uh, Bob Morgan is here saying, all, I believe it is time for med patients to get a refund from the state. When I helped create the medical cannabis program six years ago, we used our best guess about how much it would cost to run the state program. The state wasn't supposed to make money from the medical cannabis program. It was only supposed to cover costs for staff, equipment, and IT, but more money is coming in than is needed. And uh, the rest of his post basically says that this bill would make it so that – Illinois medical cannabis patients could get a refund at the time. I believe he was talking about like $250 per patient, which uh, would have been nice. Those were the COVID stimulus days. They've cut those fees like in half or something, right? Mm -hmm. Over the years, but um, they're still probably like more paid into it than actually is used to cover the program. And it's like, is this now just like a funding source for, Social, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So at the time, are, are, are the card fees going to go up to help pay for dispensaries? <laughs> right, right. Are we going to fund social equity on the backs of sick people as we've already done? Um, yes, so which they already do with the sustained of the high prices and the limited licensing. Right. Um, at the time, there was 28 million, but of course, we just heard that 40 million would uh, was transferred to that fund so you know since 2020 it jumped up to 40 um and again he says largely from per patient fees this would give at least 20 million back to you and that would result in 250 dollars in your pocket so after uh, all it is your money oh yeah he did say that after all it is your money um back up there um so yeah Good, good stuff here. Oh, whoops. That's the, after all, it is your money. So, um, folks, keep your, hold your representatives accountable. This is our money. Let's get it back. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, the reason I brought that story up. Now there were some other gems in that story. The fact that the operators got, 
uh, 280E removed from the state level. So any cannabis establishment operating in the state of Illinois and licensed under CRTA um, does not have to pay 280E. They uncoupled that from our state tax deductions. So big win, I heard from what we heard for those operators. Um, the last thing was some extension to adult use cannabis dispensing organizations to find a location within the BLS region they were awarded for. Um, the whole thing that derailed this was a, a conversation about a ban on Delta A, which was led by the support of Burano, Cresco Labs, Nature's Grace and Wellness, and Pharmacan. Uh, according to reporting by Illinois News Joint, they played a significant role in the disagreement on the omnibus between the Illinois House and Senate. Uh, the proponents of the ban argued that Delta 8 is a dangerous synthetic drug and needed to be banned to protect children. The supporters the of children. the ban. <laughs> right. And th this is interesting. The supporters of the ban would not take less than a total ban in negotiations. This created splits and ill amongst some of the coalition members, and I would even say hemp growers probably blew that up a little bit. There's a lot of farmers in the state that grow hemp for either consumption purposes now or uh, for industrial purposes, which you know some try to argue, I think accurately, that that was the original intent of this you know measure, but <clears throat> intent aside, I don't know. You want to talk about hemp? Hemp is that is that this time well, of the show? <laughs> this kind of ropes in two of my other top stories of the year. One was that uh, that Louis Glunt's beer distributor started carrying like THC beverages. That's why you see them in like Benny's now mm -hmm. in like the Chicago area. I don't know if that's throughout the state. Yeah, I think I think it is. Yeah, but so THC drinks being in a place like Benny's was one of my top stories. But also, uh, as far as trying to like regulate those products, like the licensed cannabis operators want that to not be a thing. They all kept going back to the story of uh, the high school kids that overdosed on the gummies they got. Right. <laughs> so that was my other top. That was my other uh, one of my top stories. Yeah, let's for folks that missed that. Uh, well, for folks that missed that, my computer's frozen. Hold on a second Hemp, here. Hemp-based cannabis overdoses at Chicago High School linked to neighborhood smoke shop. Yeah. Prompt calls for strict regulation. I like this one. I'm going to put optimize for video clip. This is amazing because it's only 25 seconds and it just really sets in how dramatic this the coverage was. <laughs> Breaking tonight, four people were shot this afternoon in Chicago's Uptown neighborhood. It happened around 1230 near the intersection. This is the North wrong report. <laughs> <laughs> this is the wrong report. Um, my bad. Uh, uh, when they were leading into that, I was like, wow. Yeah, this is really, <laughs> they really did this. They really overblow that story. Yeah. Damn it. Did I seriously? Oh, here we go. Here we go. I found the the actual report I was looking for. Let's let's try that again here. Fire official research. Uh, Cheryl A. Ski 
here at Uplift Community High School where Chicago fire officials have confirmed that five students are now at the hospital after eating edibles from a dispensary. We do know that four of them are listed in serious condition. One of them right now in critical. We're still waiting to hear back from Chicago police about just what happened here, how those students got their hands on those edibles and how it got inside of the school. But back out here live, we do know from Chicago fire officials that five students are now at the hospital after eating edibles, one of them listed in critical. How annoyed do you think the people at uh, like Max Strategies were that he said they got them from a dispensary? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I don't think I caught that the first couple times I saw that back when it was making the rounds. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think I actually found that was still not the report I was looking for. I found it. It's 20 seconds long. This I, if this is it, I'm going to this is my last try. But I just really think this sets in just how dramatic it was. Breaking news now at Uplift High School in the Uptown neighborhood on yeah. the north side. We are told several students have been taken to the hospital <laughs> after some type of overdose. We're hearing one of those students is in serious to critical condition. Our CBS2 reporter Marcia Perlman is headed to that scene. We'll get a live that kid looks like he's smiling as soon as she is able. That kid looked oh like they're smiling, uh, but I just like this Perlman. report because it like it starts with the like the sirens, like you know, like it just like sounds like chaos is going on. I don't know if that's one of the students. I don't know if it's just B-roll footage, but that person looks just fine. Look, they're smiling right there. They're in critical condition, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, in critical yeah, condition. That's funny. I guess. Um, yeah. That was the report I was looking for. So, sorry, I feel like I cut you off. You were saying things about the, the, the high schoolers and stuff. Oh, no, just that that's like, like you saw how much two different channels covering it. Like, I don't know. It was all part of that whole push to get hemp regulated yeah yeah that was the whole angle that was why i was like oh how annoyed do you think they were that he said dispensary because the whole thing was like all oh, these kids got it from a smoke shop mm -hmm. yeah and i just it's so interesting that that it's very important i feel that people remember that that's how this debate started in illinois because it quickly changed all of a sudden the goalposts the goalposts shifted um so it was a conversation about public health safety and saving the children and then when the hemp operators came out and said yes we're all for public health safety and saving the children um they were like whoa 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 <laughs> you're gonna dilute the pool buddy uh and they'll always go back to no you can sell cannabinoids just not intoxicating ones Right. Just not the intoxicating ones. And uh, I just think it's interesting to see. I'm going to find the quote here. Uh, 95%. There we go. Uh, this is a direct quote from the Cannabis Regulation Oversight Officer. She mentioned that if the federal government closes the loophole, that quote, 95% of our problems go away, end quote. It, this is another one I thought she, was interesting that she followed up on. And this is you know, I know people are talking about public health and safety and loss of profits and stuff, but this is what I think is most important about this issue. And I wish people were like in the pocket on this. 
She mentioned that right now, local law enforcement is reluctant to do anything due to hemp's federal legality. And she mentioned people just like smoking it in the streets and whatever else. And my thing is like, isn't that a win? Like if the police don't know what to do and they're not charging you with a cannabis related infraction, like, isn't that ideal? Right. Especially when you consider that the first sentence of the CRTA is saying that police should focus on violent and property crime and nothing, you know, that cannabis should be legal. Well, they're also, yeah, like, yeah, how how do you enforce, like, Illinois has its own possession limits and stuff, but right now you can go online and order, like, hemp products from another state that are way in excess of the limits on cannabis products yeah it's yeah it's like that's a win (laughs) yeah and the fact that the cops don't know whether or not to enforce those types of things like okay make it a big gray area so they don't feel like they can enforce it (laughs) right and and you've heard you heard uh I think you said you heard Vaughn Bentley say something to the effect of this. I heard Aaron, and I think you heard her say this too at the meeting. They've The state has apparently reached out to the attorney general's office to, quote, see if there's anything they can do. I don't know what that means. Well, but, and I did see some story. I think it was in Geneva, Illinois. There was like a smoke shop that got like two employees there got arrested for. Oh, yeah you know, selling weed essentially, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they were advertising it as like farm bill products. At least you would think. Right. You'd think so. So I don't know. I Like we've heard arguments as you told me yesterday, there's, there is an operator out there that probably it's not that he, that they want this to be illegal per se. They want one set of rules. And I I guess I sort of get that perspective. But my big thing, again, if I could just keep it in the pocket here, it's like what I've heard that this has resulted in is less people getting arrested for cannabis-related infractions. And to my – I just think that's a win. Like I don't know how you can – And more people being able to start businesses. Right. And that's where the problem comes in, I think, for operators is that – they were guaranteed this market share and social equity is market share. And so this, this is a direct conflict. Well, yeah. And if there weren't these like stupid caps and if there were actually cannabis businesses and shops like opening plentifully, like you wouldn't have this market, this like hemp market exploding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's where I will, uh, that that's what I was wanting to say earlier is that, you know, we've complained for a while now about license limitations from a consumer's perspective we've made the point that we think it limitations like these often lead to like a suboptimal experience for consumers with limited choices and higher prices um but i think this hemp industry you know so we're coming at it from a consumer's perspective this hemp hemp industry has successfully challenged and disrupted the licensing system that exists in Illinois like we couldn't do that by just complaining about it <laughs> you know like these motherfuckers just started selling weed so um yeah yeah and i mean I'm, it's it's i mean like 
you just see it everywhere too. Like any, like I was in a little storefront shop in Pilsen a couple of weeks ago and there was just like jars of joints on the counter, yeah. like a little liquor store, bodega type shop. Um, so it's like Illinois has gotten to the same place. I think that New York is at in some senses. I mean, it's not as like advertised, but if you're going into like any smoke shop, small little independently owned convenience shop, like they're probably selling farm bill products. Yeah. And one thing I thought that was interesting, you know, people can consider it anecdotal, but you did a pretty good, I would like to think you, you put your effort in to try to see these things in Michigan. And you, you were telling me you didn't see these things in Michigan, right? Well, I was just looking like at, I didn't go into the smoke shops to like see what they were selling. Cause I only saw a sure. couple of them, but they're, but like, there's not a bunch of stores like at the smoke shop. It wasn't like Delta eight. Right. <laughs> I don't even think I saw CBD advertised on their window. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, like, there's a dispense, like there's just dispensaries all over and like mm -hmm. the prices are so low. Why would you be buying your stuff at a gas station? Right. With all of these arguments, I always like to take it back to, and I don't, I don't, I, maybe this doesn't resonate with people, but I always like to, I've got this like, romantic idea of what the cannabis movement used to be back in the day. And uh, I just wonder that if you would have went back and described what's going on today to like somebody like Tommy Chong, I, I like to use him as an example, like, Hey man, weed's not going to be, <laughs> it's funny. It is kind of completely legal, but if you just describe to him, like, you know, you, you will be able to buy drinks with weed in it and you'll be able to, but, but some people are going to take issue with that because then they can't make money. I just feel like somebody like Tommy Chong would be like, so what weed's legal. What the fuck are you talking about? You know? Yeah. I like, feel like though, uh, I remember like, you know, a long time ago looking up the prices of weed in Amsterdam when that was like, Oh, if you go to Amsterdam, you can buy weed in a coffee shop. And just being like, oh, well, that's like not that different from what I paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made yeah. it a little less exciting. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's crazy to me that we live in a world where we have basically federally legal weed. And some people are saying, we need to stop that. <laughs> like, it's just, it's crazy. And when they bring up intent, <laughs> Uh, this is where I will at least put a cap on this conversation because intent is always comes no up caps, in this. Cole, no caps. <laughs> no caps. Right. That's the problem. Um, when people talk about the legislative intent of the farm bill, I feel like they think that like Mitch McConnell like sat down like under candlelight and wrote the farm bill, and it's like, <laughs> do you guys know how? Well, and it's. Like it acts like there's other legislation out there that didn't like that didn't come into being and like do something like 401ks, like how that became became like the main retirement vehicle for like the whole country. I don't think that was like its intention at the time. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like I think it started as a much smaller like little thing, but you know, I don't know if that's a great example, but I, there's other things I'm sure that have passed that it wasn't the true intention, but then like just became how it went because they were like, oh, this is working out. The farm bill's working out. Yeah. 
And I, I'll admit it seems that, like that should be how they just legalize weed, right? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Box Brown actually recently made that point in uh, one of his Twitter things. It's like, just do what you did with with <laughs> hemp to weed. Take it off of the Controlled Substances Act, which is what that's what it did. Like, how is that not a win? You know, um, I don't know, though. People just I, I think what it comes down to, there's another facet of this that people think that hemp equals synthetic or not natural and it just people haven't been able to get over that hump. I, I truly believe that plays into this conversation because people think that these are fake products. You know, the, oh, it's got it's got uh, THCA in it. What is that fake? And it's like some people don't realize that we've been smoking THCA for years. You know? Well, and some of it is fake, right? Like a THCO is not a real thing. Fair. Yep. Right. But a but a Delta eight is that occurs naturally just not in like a giant amount yeah and my whole thing is i, I just you don't have to consume delta that's <laughs> what i think is weird about some of the, the way the people approach this they're like i would never use delta 8 i don't know anybody that uses delta 8 and it's like but who's still doing delta 8 all the right. stuff i see is delta 9 mm -hmm. the delta right. this delta 8 conversation just seems like everyone got on this debate and then the market actually moved past that <laughs> they're still talking about delta 8 i know it's so crazy you never hear any talk about thca or delta 9 and i think it's because as charlie backtail said on my show it is a truly identical product there's nothing you can there's no bones right. about it you know um so yeah interesting well so you just brought up the worker or the uh in the high schoolers and stuff yeah that was a good conversation there that was good stuff um i've got two knock out two with one stone um the largest seizure of cannabis in illinois state police history actually happened this year where was that three, three years after cannabis was legalized it was in henry county and it actually does look like a pretty large amount of cannabis. I mean, I know that you always call me on that, rightfully so, as you should, um, because large amounts of cannabis to us uh, are are usually small amounts or gigantic amounts to others. You know, um, that's my way of saying I don't think there's ever such a thing as too much cannabis. There's no such thing. Uh, but yeah, this story is Illinois State Troopers recently arrested two men for allegedly trafficking more than 5,000 pounds of cannabis and what police said was one of the largest seizures in the agency's history. That is a lot. <laughs> so uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if you could successfully argue that's personal use. Yeah, you should see this picture that I'm displaying right now. It's a uh, bus, a 2000 Provost bus alongside Interstate 80. And uh, the boxes stacked alongside. I mean, dude, they had to have had this fucking bus packed to the brim. Look at this. This is insane. Um, an ISP canine was called to the scene and alerted to the odor of narcotics, prompting troopers to search the bus. Numerous packages of a... Go ahead. I always think because when you see it, was it in like bags? I mean, we'll have. I don't. Yeah, this is the like, only picture they are, produced. 
I just, yeah, it's got to smell, right? Oh, it's got to. Yeah, with that much. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. Uh, Illinois dispensaries sell or smell, uh, and, and that's all supposed to be prepackaged product in odor-proof like, containers. Like vacuum-sealed bags of weed, do those smell? I don't know if I've ever been around, like, I think a lot of bags of vacuum sealed weed. I would assume so because it's just plastic, right? Right. And what I've heard, there's like, I swear, it's like odorology. It's like the study of smell. Um, You know, you can do that and you can layer it up. You can really layer it up, you know, but in terms of vacuum sealing it, let's say you vacuum seal it like five times. It's not going to smell for a while, but it will smell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, well, because the only way I've found, like, mason jars are a great way to yeah. contain smell. Mm-hmm. That's really the only <laughs> thing I can think that I keep weeding that prevents it. But, you know, you're going to yeah. pack 5,000 pounds of weed in mason jars. <laughs> right. Right. So that was pretty crazy. Like I said, though, going to get two birds stoned with this one because there's another article that I actually – recently shared i didn't even realize it was from this year if you would ask me it would have been from years past uh but another bust that happened and the picture is just too too good um illinois sheriff's deputies find nearly 83 pounds of marijuana during traffic stop here are the uh people that seized that they look like they broke into some of the products you look at the look on their face they look really happy um, it's just me making a stupid joke, uh, but yeah, you can see there's pretty big vacuum sealed bags. This this looks like the vacuum seals you would like package uh, clothing in, like if you're trying to like, what is that called when you like try to store a bunch of clothing or like blankets and stuff? Um, I don't know. That's what that looks like to me. This type of bag. Uh. Then you got edibles, and it looks like maybe pre-rolled joints, some syrup. I believe, yeah, that's some other kind of drug. Yeah. So whenever I see those like big busts, and then they're caught with like an additional kind of drug, I'm always just like, ah. Well, ruining the story. (laughs) It actually does say thirty bottles of THC syrup, forty vapes. So I don't know if these are the vape. I, these look like pre-rolls, but they might be the vape pens. But then there's also this stuff over here that look like, like something, you know, that. So um, let's see. Were there any other drugs? <laughs> it is pretty funny. I might have been thinking of a different story. This is hilarious. He was charged with manufacturing delivery of less than 5,000 grams, trafficking in less than 5,000 grams. Uh, the police department wants to remind the public. <laughs> that you can only have five grams, 30 grams of cannabis flour, five grams of cannabis concentrate, 500 milligrams of infused products. I just think it's funny. He had a little bit less than 5,000. And they're like, just by the way, you can only have 30. Um, interesting stuff. limits are just crazy. They really are. They're so low. <laughs> <laughs> they are very low. Um, and especially for your out of staters and just the ants, my thing is like, what is the answer to you exceeding that limit? Well, it seems like pretty serious criminal fines, you know? Well, there was that case recently. What case? Um, I posted about it 
it was um some guy was caught growing like less than a hundred plants i think but he had like it was like over five it was like between 500 and a thousand grams he was charged with but then he just ended up getting like probation mm. i think it was also implied in the story that he was a sex offender so i'm seems like he has a criminal history i don't know i was just sometimes you'll see just people get like some light sentence like that it's like well apparently if you if you get a good enough lawyer in illinois you know you can get off with quite a bit yeah yeah and maybe that's a key factor to mention from what aaron johnson did mention at our that hearing we went to or fireside chat <clears throat> she said something to the effect and i'm gonna butcher it but i never thought about it that way until she said it that way she said there are like something like 70 different court jurisdictions across the state of Illinois or 70 different. How did she say that? It was like. There are like 70 different criminal justice systems. Thank you. That's what she said. Yep. And I was like, yeah, that's a very well, uh, a good way of putting it because Evan Bruno has described that how, you know, there's been a ruling in some counties where odor proof, odor proof, you know, that container language cannot be used against you, but in most of Illinois, it still is and can mm -hmm. be used against you, you know? Um, very, very interesting. So, Well, yeah, and there was like, in some small town in Illinois this, or at the beginning of this year, there was that raid on some guy's house over like nine plants. And I don't know if they knew how big it was, but like, I somehow think that in the city of Chicago, your home is not being raided by SWAT for nine plants. <laughs> right. Right. I just, the fact, uh, yeah, maybe there's more to that story that I'm not aware of, but the fact that they're raiding your house at all for just cannabis plants, like it really. I think it was just for the plants. Like they said afterward, they found a pipe bomb, which someone in the comments, I think said watch it was just like extract like extraction equipment <laughs> that's funny it could be that. yeah could just be something related to producing cannabis products yeah A really awful homemade bong right hmm. that's an interesting one yeah, uh, but like I say, just the fact to hear that even the police were involved. I don't know. I just get I just. <laughs> well, and in the story, I would be interested to know more about the case, because in the story, the guy was like. Quoted as saying to his like wife or girlfriend, like, oh, don't worry, honey, they're just here to see the plants. So that would make me think he had a med card. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or wasn't aware of the loss. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, was not aware that there is pretty strict uh plant counts on these things. You know. So um I am just Oh, you posted up. something about um it being legal to hang things from your rearview mirror. Oh yeah. You know? I was like Oh, you should get like a decorative hemp plant. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell House Hemp that. That's a freaking great You should do great decorative idea. hanging hemp, hemp plants for Illinois cars. Yeah, and they should be a flower so that people can't use the smell of cannabis to. Uh... Well, it's just my mm -hmm. hemp. It's my hemp. Uh... 
air freshener. Yeah. Exactly. Um that is that is amazing. I'm gonna speaking of that, I'll I'll be having uh the Chicago Tribune on to talk about some of the other things that are changing in the next year with regard to laws. There is another cannabis law, I guess, and like if you're under court supervision or probation, uh, the judge cannot stipulate that you're not allowed to use cannabis as a result of that court supervision. Oh, interesting. Um, or alcohol, which I thought was interesting. It's like, yeah, people should be able to drink and smoke if they're. Well, some people, I mean, some people are like medically dependent on alcohol. So like saying they can't drink on probation could be like a death sentence, technically. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Unfortunate, but yeah. That, well, that's why people go to like detox centers is like you're, I don't know exactly what happens to their body, but it can like shut down essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, straight up, straight up. Um, So this clip I'm about to play is uh super interesting and it, and it underscores a point that I feel I've been trying to make. Uh, on this show, but on the Chillinois podcast, my whole involvement in this in this realm, uh, which is that if cannabis is legal, why are arrests continuing? This is a this is something I actually heard. I was just on the on the road. I heard cannabis, cannabis. I turned up my radio, and this was a show that I heard. Um, and we'll have a link to this full episode. But this moment from this show, I thought was really interesting. And I don't know that I've actually gotten the chance to. We've like texted about this, Phil, but I've not gotten the chance to talk about this. So let's take a look at this clip. Sound only, by the way, folks. Um, yeah, we, we were interested. Actually, we got interested in that. Uh, we were interested in generally, but the tribute. Scoot back just Different, a bit. Depending on the demographic, but a lot of people are still turning to that illegal market to obtain their cannabis, right? That's correct. Um yeah, we, we were interested, actually, we got interested in that. Uh, we were interested in generally, but the Tribune did a, a nice story a couple of years back. Um, the, their, their angle on this was that the arrests in Chicago were occurring in places where there weren't dispensaries. And uh, so we took another look at that again. We updated that information and found that that's still the case. And that suggests that one reason that people turn to the illegal market is that it's it's just uh, more convenient for them. They don't have a dispensary near where they live. And unfortunately, at least as true in Chicago, um, the lack of dispensaries happens to be in neighborhoods that are uh, primarily ethnic minorities and poorer neighborhoods. So um, uh, that's still a concerning issue. And one of the criticisms of Illinois' uh, tax act, the Cannabis Tax Act, is that um, the taxes are so high that cannabis is more expensive to get in a dispensary, even if you have one convenient to you. And so it's actually just cheaper to go and buy it from your local dealer who you, you may have been buying it from for years. And so we found that those are uh, several of the reasons that people continue to buy illegally, convenience, price, and having a trusted dealer that they've used for a long time. Is there a difference in, I mean, do we know if there's a difference? So one of the things I wanted to make sure that was played that I think I must have skipped over is the difference in arrest numbers. Um, oh, I'm just going to play this real quick and then I want to hear uh, your thoughts because it's important to play the numbers because they have changed. And 
uh, people are quick to to point this out. So you know, credit where credit is due. I try not to do, and we've done, I think, well at not boring the listeners or, or blind, blindsiding them with too many numbers, but they are striking in this case. In 2015, more than 45,000 arrests for violations of the Cannabis Control Act. 45,000 in 2015. In uh, 2021, so just six years later, but after legalization, less than 3,000. So that is a huge drop. Although yeah. the fact that arrests are still happening, that does point to the fact, and you looked at this as well, uh, the illicit market... Re- Which that's actually where we picked up on. I should have just started that clip a little bit earlier. But what do you think about that, Phil? Yeah, I mean, it's good. <laughs> what do you, uh, but I also the- think like... Does that include improper transport of cannabis? Because I would doubt it. Probably not, because that's a new that's newly defined in the CRTA, I think. So he was talking about offenses under the Cannabis Control Act, which, folks, is from 1978. If you want to learn more, go to thecolememo.com slash history. I'll keep it at that. Right. Or another number would be uh like at that town hall I was at where the guy from the Illinois Cannabis Equity Coalition was talking about people getting felonies for having a concealed carry card and a med card at the same time. Like they'll get pulled over and they'll be like, Oh, I, I have a gun in the car. I have, here's my card. They'll be like, Oh, you also have a med card. Well, that voids your void. So now you're a felon. (laughs) So I bet that's not in those numbers either. Yeah, that's true. And just if folks want to look into that. Uh, or or another one, DUIs for being over the five nanograms. Yep, arbitrary. That's not going to be in there. Right. So but the threshold is arbitrary. I wanted to make clear with what I was saying. Oh, so uh, yeah, it's... that like 45,000 to 3,000, like that's good, but it's also not like a full reflection of the state of cannabis arrests, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. That's actually much better put than I could have said. I was just going to say I'm a little bit more blunt about it. You just added a lot of nuance to it that I think makes a better case. I was just goes straight to, but the number's not zero. <laughs> you know, they might say yeah. four, they might say 45,000 and 3,000. Woo, that's a big difference. Okay, yeah, but the number's not zero. Well, and somewhere in those numbers like there was a guy I don't remember the exact story, but I remember it being that he was caught with like four, he was caught with like a quarter pound. He had just over a hundred grams. So he's charged in that hundred to 500 area, which is a felony. So he would be in part of those three. It's so it's not like just people with giant garbage bags full of weed. It's also, you know, people that are just breaking possession limits, which are pretty low. Very low. Very <laughs> and low. arbitrary that, you know, they don't really serve a purpose. Right. They have. You want to say, if you want to say people can't have five pounds on them at one time, sure. But I mean, why can't I have a pound of weed in a suitcase and go to a friend's house? Right. We're making edibles. Some, some people like variety. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just displaying right now, folks, in case you're curious about what the offenses are in cannabis so yeah if you're in that 100 to 500 gram range you're getting a felony one to three years in prison and maximum fines of twenty five thousand dollars. and one thing that's interesting we had a 
defense attorney on this year, uh, attorney Bob Galholtra, and he was saying that like if you get hit with a hundred grams, they hit you with a hundred grams. They don't hit you with seventy, which is what it should be, right? Like, oh, like yeah, you know, well, like thirty the, of them like, are legal, right? That would be <laughs> the case with that guy, right? Who I was just talking about, because if they subtracted the legal amount you're allowed to have then he's only over by 70 something right. which would then be a misdemeanor <laughs> right it's so weird and that, that doesn't play weird. into it apparently well so. and you would assume like it maybe hasn't been challenged because a lot of people just take plea deals you know like you're not gonna right want to be someone who's going to try to argue that precedent in court with your actual life yeah very true <laughs> very true so I don't know if I could just on this this specific topic before we move on to at least I think my last and most favorite story of 2023 that I have listed. I think I had one other honorable mention. I think I already mentioned my outdoor cultivation as an honorable mention. That was my. We didn't. Other. I don't. We didn't talk about that one yet. But that was okay. one of my. To- that was one of my top stories. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I just before we get into those last few stories, I just want to say very briefly that uh, luckily and I, it's not that I'm like looking for it, but I do accept feedback. And some of the only feedback I've received is that people feel that I'm just constantly complaining about uh, the Illinois cannabis market and that I'm not happy about anything. And I get that impression or I get I get that or whatever, but like my thing is I'm, I feel that I'm truly fighting. Like what I want is for you to have access to the cheapest and best weed. And if like you realize that's where I'm coming from, like all all of these complaints start to make sense. It's not like I wake up in the morning and want to bitch about things. Like I want access to the cheapest and best weed. And I think everybody should have that access. Yeah. And it's not like, like whatever the market is, what the market is, it's like, especially as medical patients, like I should be able to have like, there should be like a caregiver market. Yeah. You know, there should be like a store that's open down the street that grows the weed in back and sells it in the front. Right. Like the the cannabis laws could be much cooler than they are now. So it's like, yeah, sure. Grateful for what there is, but it's like, I'm not going to support it financially because it's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and paying that R3 tax is insulting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad it's becoming more of a point of discussion because I think in states like Ohio, there's some other state that just passed a referendum where like a lot of the, like a fair percentage of the tax dollars are going to law enforcement. And so they were asking cannabis users, like, how do you feel about the fact that the people that have been waging this war on you for all these years, like now you're helping, like it's your your responsibility to help fund their continued efforts to whatever they're doing, you know, and some, I'm not saying, I don't, I think it is a statistically significant portion. And by that, I mean, over 5% um, goes to law enforcement. I, I could be wrong though. Um, In Illinois? In Illinois, yeah, yeah, I remember. I think it's like, like I think that. it's like six percent or like seven percent or something like that. So, but I don't know. Um, my point in that is you've always you've always put it much better than I can. It I don't. It's weird how 
we've just accepted that, yeah, cannabis users, the victims of the war on drugs, are also shouldered with paying taxes to right the wrongs for the war on drugs. Well, and it's like, is there a comparable, like, are liquor taxes going to pay for battered women's shelters? Like, <laughs> yeah. I I haven't heard of any program like that. Maybe it exists. Yeah, our to our tobacco taxes going to this is going to be a bad one. Our tobacco taxes going towards you know people that spent. I don't know. I was going to say something about secondhand smoke, the damage that is constantly caused by that. But whatever, stupid stupid point for me. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to explain that. Like, it's not my goal to be negative. I truly don't want things to complain about. It's because I had this idea of what legalization was in my mind because of my experience in other markets and just, you know, your pipe dream, pun intended, of what legalization is going to be is like these this this place where you can get cheap quality weed and you could smoke with your friends at the bar and it's no big deal. And all of these different things that you would just think you could grow it yourself, like it's all illegal. You can't smoke it in public. You can't grow it. Except if you have a med card, and even if you have a med card, you can't grow it outside. Maybe that's a good transition to Which our, transitions to our next story. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, Phil, your background is very when when Cole uh, uncovered nature's grace and wellness's outdoor grow. Where was this location? I think this is in Vermont, Illinois. So, if you're watching the video podcast right now, Phil's background is actually uh, this is actually you can find this online. It's not even a, fic- a photo that I took. This is just a photo that's online. Thank you, Phil. Um, <laughs> and uh, let me, I've got the source for that. It's uh, marijuanaventure.com. Yeah, wasn't, it, wasn't it bigger when you went? Uh, slightly bigger. Uh, like like there was more, if uh, like those. Back here, maybe. Yeah, that back there. Thank you. That, as you can see, it's starting to be kind of smoothed out. To, it's being flattened and stuff in your picture. And they have like more stuff there now. So um, not outdoor. It's like the greenhouse grow, which, by the way, uh, I've heard that some craft growers have been told they can't even use greenhouses, which is the thing that a lot of these cultivators use. This is the... Uh, marijuana venture story though that this photo that phil's using is from and uh this is a story from 2022 which is not before i was aware of it but it's definitely before i took a keen look into this subject and i want to be very clear at the like the outset of this because a lot of craft cultivators have apparently been using this my reporting uh, as a conversation piece with the Illinois Department of Ag, and I've even been told that the Illinois Department of Ag is no longer speaking with a lot of these licensees as a result of my reporting. I did not look into this for craft cultivators. It's just convenient. It's just conveniently used. <laughs> like they can use that. Like, and the reason I even spoke about craft. Well, cultivators, you looked into it. You looked into it more for consume for. Yeah. Medical patients, right? For that, for us being able to grow in our own backyards. Yeah. I'm asking if yeah. I got to do that, which is that little screened in area in the top left hand of Phil's background. If that's what I have to do, just make a little screened in area and put a fucking camera on it so that I can grow outdoors. I'll do that if that's what I have to do. 
you know, but apparently I can't even do that and nobody else can either. And thank you. That is the point. Now, it just so happens that conveniently the reason that craft cultivators are not able to start up is because it costs so much fucking money to build a facility like the one that's directly behind you. And of course, they would have a smaller one, 14,000 square feet. Um, but <laughs> it costs so much to build that and they can't even get investments, funding. Um, and I've been arguing that, hey, maybe a way you could do that is by just selling edibles and vapes, which is all you can sell, apparently, if you if you do have this variance to grow outdoors. Um, which is also and, stupid. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty silly. The, the, they say that, and it's actually the reason that one of the reasons they're not allowing this to go on, apparently, from what I hear on the inside they have concerns about it not being an indoor structure. They say that's not a secure structure as defined as in the CRTA. <laughs> that's where they start. But then they go on to say there are farms all over the state of Illinois. In fact, you can see farmland surrounding this property. And they argue that the pesticide use could drift over and, uh, you know, contaminate the cannabis or something could contaminate the cannabis. And my thing is, well, don't we have the strictest stand? testing standards in the nation can't right. that shouldn't that accommodate for something <laughs> um i don't know they're and they're just assuming like they're never going to have to compete with outdoor cannabis from another state right well you know? also they're assuming that cannabis has not been grown outdoors pre-2019 like it's been grown outdoors for as long as i mean also indoors because of the drug war but primarily outdoors, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was just listening. I was just hearing a thing. I think I told you about it. A guy who's like trying to spread like outdoor growing in Michigan more. Mm. So the Midwest, oh, yeah. like a Midwest yeah. climate, it was just interesting. Like his ideas, like you can grow here outdoors, like quality craft flower that people like want to smoke, like seek out to smoke. You know, and that it's actually better than a lot of the stuff you can grow indoors because it's the sun. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if that has any. That's what I always here. hear is that the Terps, like the, the flavor profile, the entire experience is better with a sun grown product, which I mean, I don't know. I can believe it. I've had like commercially grown tomatoes, which could have been grown outdoors. I don't know. Um, but you compare it to like something grown in my mom's garden and it's like, you know. It's, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, I'll have to get connected with that person. You mentioned them once before. But, yeah, I guess, you know, just to close on this story, I I somebody corrected me recently. They said, Cole, it's not just a trip to Home Depot, but I've been describing this. I mean, pretty setup. much. <laughs> yeah, I've been describing this setup as a trip to Home Depot because it's just like a few fucking okay, poles. Home Depot and Best Buy. Yeah, and Best Buy. You got to get some cameras too, right? Like, but I mean, like, seriously, like, when you look at what this setup actually is, it's just uh, poles, netting, and some cameras and fences. And that's, that's the, the setup. And so, yeah, apparently these licensees have, have even been trying to, like I say, make, you would say they're stepping it back a bit. They're like, okay, we, 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 you won't let us do outgrow. Can we do prefab units? No. Can we do uh, greenhouse units? No. 
which I found surprising because from what I hear, and that's actually the number one comment that I got about this story. That's why I found this so interesting, Phil. That's why I'm even like kind of making a point to can to put some emphasis into this. It's like the number one comment I got about this story, besides why should I care, is uh all all grows have greenhouse grows. Cole, everybody grows outdoor in Illinois. And I'm like, no, I'm not talking about greenhouse grows. I'm talking about this is outdoor. You know? Oh, yeah. So, but I'm talking new era, I know has some. I'm pretty positive that if I look up the Lincoln Cresco facility right now that they have some. I've even heard that the Lincoln Cresco facility has as close as you can get to an outdoor grow without it being outdoor. The greenhouse opens. Mm-hmm. So again, these are just things I've heard. I've not seen folks. I'm not I'm, <laughs> I was going to look it up, uh but we're going to move on to our next story, but any other thoughts on this, Phil? Why why else? Why was this your favorite story? Just well, I don't know if it was my favorite. It was right. one why did it? Favorites. Why I tried to push that for you. <laughs> why did it make your list of favorites? Uh, just because it's, you know, it's just double standards. You know, GTI and Nature's Grace get to do this, and social equity people who the state claims to want to bend over backwards to help don't get to do it. Yeah, I have to ask a selfish question on this one. Uh. I know that this isn't like a fucking breaking news. High schoolers died from Delta eight gummies story, but like how I I'm, I am a little bit frustrated that like to, first of all, it's, I can't find, I I'm having so much trouble finding the lawsuits that definitely exist. That's definitely why the Illinois department of agriculture is not commenting to me. And I've heard that. For sure, as mentioned in my article from people high up in the Department of Agriculture, like they have told me, that's why we're not commenting, Cole. There is a lawsuit. And I asked, how do I find the lawsuit? And they laughed at me and said, Cole, I'm not going to help you find the lawsuit. <laughs> um, so, folks, I need help finding the lawsuit. But my question, I, I wonder, is is it just a boring story? I, I don't I, – I figured if yeah, like, I don't headline – Headline GTI is suing the state of Illinois. That's that's my headline. You know, I don't think people like pick up on the minutia of it, you know. True. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyways, so that's outdoor cultivation in Illinois. Some people can do it. Not all of us, though. Um, And not and not you, but not you. (laughs) That's right. It's dangerous. I'm not I'm not. Anyways. Um, my <laughs> top story of the year is, uh, something I was actually present for. I'm not going to play my footage of it. I'm just going to share the Chicago sun times reporting, uh, governor Pritzker touts Illinois pot legalization as the model for other States. We built out the most equitable, accessible and prosperous cannabis ecosystem in the nation. And it's one that helps repair our past harms. Was this September? This was in uh, September. Yep, for Benzinga. Yeah, that's insane to say that shit in September of 2023. <laughs> right? Time, dude, this year. I, I, are you saying that because this year you felt it flew by too? No, no, no. Just saying, calling Illinois the most equitable. It's just like, what? Understood. What talking about. Right. Yeah. Well, um, 
it's the best. It's the best, man. Here's the thing, Phil. While in many states, legalization of cannabis has produced a multi-billion dollar industry that lacks diversity and is dominated by an oligopoly of corporations, really only high net worth individuals here in Illinois, the land of the Lincoln, we're trying to do things differently, Phil. So why don't you take that? <laughs> yeah, it's, Isn't that the I mean, perfect they, they are doing description? Isn't that the perfect description, though, of the Illinois cannabis industry? Like the one he just laid out and then he said, but but in Illinois, <laughs> we're trying to do it differently. Well, and they'll always point at the license numbers and it's like, no, but who's getting all the profits? Like last I saw one in four products sold in the state as a Cresco product. So, Phil, you are asking a brilliant question and I don't have an answer for you but i have a, a prediction for you but before we do that is this what you're talking about is this what they would say um to what we're saying is they would say well <laughs> well but we've got 50 percent right. yeah yeah this is what you're pointing out right and then if you did like who's actually profiting it's like much more skewed <laughs> yeah yeah. Interesting to look at these comments too. Um, and I just have to say, I still think it's hilarious that their third post mentions us. Um I archived that for history. I'm proud of that. This the state of Illinois made a post including one of my projects. <laughs> That's just you can't make it up. Um so my prediction is that <clears throat> It's going to be a statistically insignificant number of sales. Again, under 5%. All of these social equity licensees? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because if you're saying one in four, <clears throat> yeah, the, the the numbers are just, they're not there. Like, And think about it. Who's Well, and what I've seen is all of the price, or most of the price compression is happening on retailers not yeah. the growers and i mean there's only a handful of of these craft growers operating that's what i'm saying it's like i mean when you think about how many people are operating that's where i'm coming up uh with yeah with that so i was just pulling up um we can make this quick because it's not a super big story, but I really wanted to talk to you about that emerging cannabis market in Illinois article that you sent me with those cool graphs. You cool to in the show? On oh, this yeah, note? yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. My um, prediction for Illinois cannabis, though, for the year is oh, yeah. more of the same. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 2024 will look a lot like 2023. Yeah. And that I didn't mean that to be my uh, prediction for 2024. I just meant that to be my prediction. Since you brought up, like, how many say it? Like, that's that's what I predict to be uh, the number of sales if they ever produce something like that. So, um, but yeah, I'll have to think of a prediction for 2024. But before I do that, it'll probably be what you just said, honestly. Um, more of the same. I don't see any big changes coming, unfortunately. I wish I could come up with something optimistic, but. I just, I just can't. It seems like I mean, you'll is... have like you'll have like a handful more craft producers. You'll have more dispensaries open, but like, does that really change the market? The nature of the market prices will 
come down a little more. Yeah. Is that like, is that all we're after? <laughs> right. I think so. I think, you know, uh, people just become apathetic to the progress you're talking about. I think like to your point of what I said or to what I was saying about earlier, I feel like, yeah, that's a little bit too much in the minutia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they just, they see, they hear legal weed and there's a store nearby. And like, you'd think the point you're trying to make is you'd think they'd want better options. You'd think they'd want more options. And I don't think, that they necessarily don't, but they don't like get so into it that we do that we that, that they see even how to accomplish that. Am I being too broad stroke on that? You get what I'm yeah. saying? Like I, I just feel like it's not that they disagree that they want those things, but to them, it's like that box brown comic. The issue is just they don't see it as an issue anymore. Uh they see the issue is over because there are stores you can go to to just buy it. You know what I mean? Right. And they're just like, what's the big deal? <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. And at this point, like people using the regulated market in Illinois are just like expecting it to be like it is, you know? Yeah. Like, which... If you're really that turned off by it, you're probably not using it anymore. Right. I was about to just say, I was about to be like a little, I was about to say, which is sad because cannabis is not what you get in the Illinois dispensaries like by and large like cannabis is supposed to be sticky and fresh and it's not very rarely is it that well or you should just have you, to, you should just have you should just have the option to smell it before you buy it yeah see what you're buying at the very least you know um so but yeah i don't know i like i say it's that's that's another point that I've been having trouble getting to resonate with a larger audience, and it, it always feels like I'm just screaming <laughs> about it. And it's like, but I'm screaming because I want it to be better. You know what I mean? So. Well, and these graphs in this thing are like, you know, yeah, an example pretty, of what we're talking about. Pretty crazy stuff. So well, let's get into it. Uh, the headline, just really quick, if you're wanting to look this up, and links will be in the podcast description as well. Um, the emerging cannabis market in Illinois prices, taxes, and supply constraints. Uh, this is this is by the University of Illinois, the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Economics. I'll have to check. I'll have to try to connect with these authors. Um. So yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, one of the things I think just the headline here. This isn't the headline, but it's like how they start the paper, and then we'll get into these graphs. Recreational cannabis prices in Illinois are among the highest in the country. They cite headset data from 2023, more than double the price in nearby Michigan. Illinois also imposes higher retail taxes than Michigan does. And I like that they say it that way because a lot of people lead with we've got higher taxes. No, we've got higher prices. And then, yes, also higher taxes. <laughs> like it's the one-two punch. Um, well, what's funny, though, is at a certain level, the taxes are actually the same, right? Mm. like illinois taxes cannabis flower at least like below 35 percent at 10 percent. that's the same that michigan taxes it at oh at the state level but illinois has a higher sales tax in general so it's like six percent in michigan it's like 10 percent here roughly 
And then Illinois also allows local municipalities to add on taxes at like the city and the county level. So you have another like 6% that can be added on. So that's how you get like, you know, 25% or 26% here. And then over in Michigan, it's only 16. But then if you do for concentrates, you know, that's like 40% versus like 16%. That is insane. But that's like when they say like, oh, lower the cannabis taxes. It's like, well, for like flour, they're really not going to be able to. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, no, like the local, you know, they're not going to want to give up their 3%. Yeah. And then the state does it at the same rate that they do in Michigan. So I feel like you're always going to have that like 25% versus 16% variance between the two states. They, They will need to get rid of those concentrate taxes though. Yeah. Absolutely. Those are just nuts. Yeah, and they apply to infused products too, because I think the they're taxed at the same rate, which is yeah, just crazy. Slight I think slightly less. Yeah. I think it's like twenty percent and then concentrates are like twenty-five, something mm. like that. Gotcha. Because they wanted to make it oh, and then but there's also like wholesale taxes, right? So those are added on too. Like when a grower sells it to a dispensary, that's taxed also at a certain percent. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, the wholesale tax. I don't know. I don't know what those two are between the two states, but. I actually, I'll have to try to get my hands <laughs> on the formula, but I was actually shown that, you know, people always bitch about the $60 eighth and they, somebody showed me a breakdown. I'm sure it's not hard to replicate this formula, but honestly, yeah, with the wholesale tax and everything else, they are not. They're, they're barely making money selling it at like $60 an eighth. And I say barely making money. It was, I think it was like $15 a profit or something like that per unit, something around there. Um, But then they showed me the breakdown. This person was a hemp operator. So they showed like, hey, I'm setting this at the same price and I'm making 30 bucks a unit. <laughs> you know, like something oh, like that. Oh, right. Yeah. Because of the cost of like being in the regulated market. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of a funny uh, comparison. So um, back over to the the report, though. Um, interesting stuff. Did you have any thoughts on this first graphic? I don't mean to breeze by it. No, I just wish that Michigan would keep that. Oh, my God. Thank you. I, I, I was just I talking. To... Like, I feel like Michigan, I feel like over half of what they sell has to be to out of state because mm-hmm. they have liberal home grow laws like up to 12 plants for anyone and then they have that whole caregiver market that supplies most of the medical community that's still around so i i just feel like there's no way that like if our if we're doing like a quarter of our sales still to out-of-state people there's no way michigan isn't doing like half yeah yeah and i i just got into a conversation with justin Libby about this uh because i made that post i don't even remember what it was about at this point but i said why is michigan consistently outselling you know illinois and he pointed out that you know we do get a lot of out of state sales and or something something to that effect and i i got into that same thing with him where i was like i wish michigan would produce their out of state sales it would be interesting to see that um this is interesting uh, the prices have gone down in both markets. 
Um, so this, I mean, the prices are not comparable to Michigan here, but I've seen like $120 ounces in dispensaries in Illinois. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's funny. I'll go for a $120 ounce in Michigan, but the key distinction there, as you pointed it out earlier in Michigan, I'm able to look at it first, you know, smell it a little bit. In Illinois, well, it, it feels like such a gamble to go for that $120. Well, also, you'll like, like, you know, the shops I'll go to, it's like, okay, here's all of our ounce. Like, you can get any of these ounces for like 80 or 90 bucks, and there's like eight, 10 options, you know? Like, it, I just the way with the like prepackaged stuff in Illinois, it's like, I don't know, you, you look at a menu and it's like they'll have, you know, a smattering of ounces. Half of them are going to be produced by some company you wouldn't want to touch <laughs> at all. I just feel like there's never that many options. Yeah. Well, and I I want to see if I did not prepare you on this, but I've heard you. We've talked about this before, so I'm going to play a position that I don't completely believe, and I want you to to respond to it. Michigan, I've gone to Michigan, and they have shitty weed. So yeah, they got cheaper weed, but the the, the weed sucks. They do have some shitty weed, just like we do. <laughs> yeah, you just got to shop better. Just got to shop better. Think uh, the example I like that you gave when we've had this conversation in the past is have you ever been to a liquor store? Right. Yeah. There's like there's tons of bottom shelf product. The, and liquor You don't stores. even see like I actually thought about it. You don't even look at it. You're just like, you know what you want. If it's the Captain Morgan, the Jack Daniels, the fucking uh, what what is it? The. I don't know alcohol, Phil. So you're, you know, right? Yeah. the The real problem, the real problem for people like coming to that market new is just that, like, I mean, just like Illinois, like you'd have to do a little bit of research to find out who the good producers are. But in Illinois, it's like, oh, there's ten producers. Here's three that are pretty much guaranteed to have good products. The rest, it's all a gamble. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'd rather have like a thousand producers where maybe a hundred of them are really good. You know, like you're still going to have a majority of it be stuff that's probably not appealing to you, but you got way more options. Right. Yeah. Johnny Walker, that was the other name I was trying to think of. You know, you just look all over those options. Like you say, though, there are many options that you could find that are good. And then you might even hear about some like, oh my God, have you tried this new? Like, that's what's so great about these types of economies and I don't understand why we're preventing them because they're quote unquote tough or price compression. Right. Like I love price compression. That's, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) We should start saying that I fucking love price compression because honestly in any, I'm just asking you before we move on to these next few graphs, like in any other market, if prices compress, like you're usually like, woo, like right now gas prices are falling. They were like 320. I've Justine told me I'm an old person that I keep track of gas prices, by the way. Uh that, that's like an old person thing. It's almost like keeping track happens of to every, it happens to everybody, Cole. Yeah. It's a like don't let, keeping... don't let me tell you, I remember I remember less than a dollar gas. Oh, really? Wow, fuck. So <laughs> But it, it, I've been told it's like keeping track of like postage, the the price of postage, postage stamps. It's keep that's keeping track. 
track of gas prices, but just like a few months ago, it was like three thirty. Fuck, I was in Chicago. It was like three fifty, three seventy, and now I just saw a gas station the other day. It was two sixty eight, and I'm like, fuck yeah! I'm not thinking like, oh my god, but how are the people in gas gonna make money? You know, like yeah, I don't right. care. I don't care. I'm happy. And I don't, it's interesting how price compression has been used as like a, a bad thing. Um, there's a lot of interesting information that I'm breezing over here, folks, to so definitely look into this. We're just kind of doing the graphs right now, unless, Phil, you had anything specific that you remember. But I thought this one was a really funny graph to see, that, to really put license limitations into like perspective, like how they Well, work. and I like those in parentheses next to those it says next to illinois issued and next to michigan active that oh is yeah just yeah like, that number would be a lot less if it was like that would just be a flat line pretty much if it was illinois active yeah no straight <laughs> up it would be a flat line like the, the there'd be the slightest uptick because there's i think out of the 80 that have been issued or something like that which, yeah, that looks about right. There's um, like a dozen that are like active. Yeah, I actually heard the other number the other maybe day. Up, it, maybe it was like up to 20 that are like permitted to do construction or have started construction, right? Yeah. I, I can't remember what the WBEZ report that I listened to the other day and when it was dated, but they were saying less than 10. I'm pretty sure it was like eight. Um, were actually active, like operational, deemed as operational. Oh, yeah, definitely less than 10. Yeah. Yeah. That are like growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, crazy stuff. This one was an interesting one because this one, you know, it's issued and estimated. Thank you again for pointing out the parentheses. I totally missed that my first go through this because um, that really does change how you look at this data. Uh, but it is interesting to see that Illinois, it like makes it gives you the impression that we're ahead. And I mean, we, you could say we were because when we opened on day one, our adult use centers were from the medical program basically. And so, yeah, we had a lot of uh, production right off the bat. Um, but it is interesting to see the active number has definitely eclipsed or what is it? It's surpassed the, uh, estimated number of license production uh well and you can see you can see too it seems like it's like cresting in michigan it's like these things do kind of find their own yeah ceiling uh-huh <laughs> like people aren't going to keep opening these businesses if they see everybody going out of business so right it's going to work itself out like I, it'd be interesting to see the curve of price compression like let it play out and maybe Michigan is what we have to watch on it. Maybe that, like you say, maybe they're going to kind of peter out at what we're at. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oregon would probably have a longer record. True. True. And I think it's still pretty cheap out there and I hear it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really like the, how they close this uh, while it is difficult to determine the degree to which high cannabis prices in Illinois are the result of production constraints, there is strong correlation between changes in licensed production capacity and price. As capacity has grown in Michigan over time, prices have fallen more than in Illinois. 
we conclude that production licensing constraints are one contributor to cross-state differences in prices. There are other potential supply constraints as well. Um, yeah, I just thought it was very, very... It's just funny to hear, to like read like a scholarly thing like this. It's like, yeah, all of us cannabis users know this. Right. <laughs> right, yeah, we've been... Hmm, there seems these. to be a strong correlation between the price of weed and the number of licenses issued. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, that It's basically what you just said there. Accurate and timely information about supply and demand is important for well-functioning agricultural markets. We note that Michigan publishes significantly more detailed information on production than Illinois does. In providing cannabis industry data, Illinois may want to follow the lead of its neighbor. They may also want to follow the lead in other ways. We might want to start pointing to it. As, we might want to stop pointing to it as a failure. Because I don't know. Like, again, we point this out all the time, and this is what we can close on. 2022, Illinois had like... 1.8 billion in cannabis sales. I'm just looking it up. 2022 Illinois cannabis sales. What was it like? One. What's your prediction? Do you remember? I mean, I, I just like know the Michigan. Point. I just know the Michigan sold more. Yeah, Michigan did sell more. So 1.5. I was close to my 1.6. So Illinois cannabis sales. For all of 2022, reached a record high of more than 1.5 billion. So I think it was 1.6. Oh, so, but Michigan cannabis cannabis sales, I believe, is 2.5. Of course, somehow 2.3. So we will share that. Um, Michigan smashes cannabis sales record at 2.3 billion in 2022. My question to you, the question I've been asking is, if Michigan is a failure, why then are they selling more cannabis than us? You know? It would be interesting to see their December numbers. Yeah. And I don't know. I just – I think it's weird that we're hinging success on oper <laughs> on how operators feel about the market. My definition of success is – is the is the number of people in jail for a cannabis related infraction that's nonviolent? I don't know why I have to quantify it that way, but I feel that I do. Uh, is it zero? No. Okay. Well, then we're not successful yet. And also, is the market providing the best product for the lowest price for the most people? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that that would be the standard for the market for me. Thank you. Yeah, that's the good. That's a great standard for the market. You know, if you want to look for success there. So, well, Phil, I think we covered the gamut. Thank you for doing this again with me. This is the second year. Yeah, it was we've a done pleasure. This. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show throughout the year and uh, being a supporter, but also a contributor to the conversation. I always enjoy uh, chatting with you. So, we look forward to more insane and redundant cannabis, uh, Illinois cannabis news in the new year. Yeah, hopefully we aren't talking about the same things. Before we go, can just in case people were wondering what the hell you have in your hand, can you just show people how cool that lighter oh, is that you have? It's my it's my novelty lighter. 
I just, in case people, because you were like talking with it, like making points with it, and people were like, probably like, what the hell is that thing? Yeah, I had two cups of coffee while we were sitting here, so now I'm very fidgety. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked how you were, it almost looked like you were like conducting music. I liked how you were able to talk with it, but I was just thinking, I yes, was like, I just oh. sit here all day playing with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just know that somebody's sitting there like trying to like pause it and like, what the fuck is that thing in his hand? So anyways. my microphone. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, folks, I hope you found as much right. value in this conversation as I did. Um, we'll see you on the next episode. Have a happy 2024. Everybody smoke as much. Smash your record on smoking weed this year. That's the goal. <laughs> Take care.